Take your Bibles with me tonight, and we're going to look at our, for our last time together in the Word of God back in the book of Luke, but this time in chapter number 10. Luke chapter 10 tonight is where you're turning your Bibles, and uh, for those of you who, who, who perhaps uh, are aware who are following um, Brother Ron Hamilton, Patch the Pirate, you know that uh, the Lord called him to glory here not too long ago, and this, not, not yesterday, but two Saturdays ago, uh, my wife had pulled up the funeral there, and we were watching some of that, and, and it just, it struck me uh, just how powerfully the Lord used him and used his ministry, and, and, and it was said that he wrote probably, uh, I think it was like a thousand songs in his lifetime, in the 40 years or so that, the, that he was composing music, he wrote almost a thousand songs, and I'm like, wow, I mean, what an impact that is. And I think about the Patch the Pirate clubs and the Patch the Pirate CDs that he made and uh, would try to put one out every year, I believe. And I know those have gotten us through a few road trips, uh, heading down the road there in the, in the truck and, and have gone all over the world. And I think of, of the young people that have trusted Christ as Savior as a result. And I think of, of, of really just the, the, the legacy that Patch the Pirate left. And as I got to thinking about that, I got to think, man, you know, <laughs> I want to make a difference. I want to leave a legacy. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm never going to write a thousand songs. I mean, unless the Lord has other plans, I, I, I don't see that in my future. And, and the, the great thing is we don't have to compare ourselves among ourselves. In fact, the Bible says that that's not wise. It's not wise to compare yourself to somebody else because God made them for, for their purpose and he made you for yours. And so it's not wise to compare ourselves, but I do think that, that it is helpful to us to, to look at a life of a man like Patch the Pirate, a man like Ron Hamilton, and say, you know what, may the legacy that he left spur me to serve the Lord and to seek to make a difference in this generation. And let me tell you, we need the next generation to step up. We need the next generation of songwriters. We need the next generation of preachers. We need the next generation of those that will love the Lord and that will serve him. And that whether they're making a difference all over the world or just making a difference in their neighborhood that will stand up and say, I want to make a difference. I want to make a difference wherever God has planted me in whatever capacity he has called me to do so. My desire is to make a difference. And I got good news for you tonight. You don't have to write a thousand hymns to make a difference. There are many ways that God can use us. There are many avenues in which God can direct our lives and direct our energies. And I'd like to preach to you about one of those tonight. Jude, in verse number 22, says it this way. And of some have compassion, making a difference. And I want to preach to you tonight on the power of compassion. The power that is found when we have the heart of Jesus Christ. <laughs> because we all know that uh, if we're looking for the perfect example of compassion, we need to look no further than our Savior himself. One who was willing to put aside his own needs and his own wants and to be thinking about the needs and the, and the, 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 the troubles and the problems and the heartaches of others. One that, 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 as we see in the, the story of the Samaritan woman, the disciples, they go out to get and bring him food. And they come back and they say, Jesus, take a break from ministering here. We brought you food. And Jesus says, I have meat to eat that ye know not of. You see, Jesus was consumed. 
He was, his life was consumed with others. Consumed with reaching out to others. Consumed with, with getting the good news to others. Consumed with meeting the needs of others. And so often we see in the, the Gospels that Christ would be going from one place to another and he would lift up his eyes and he would see the multitudes and he would see them scattered as sheep having no shepherd and he would be moved with compassion. And I think that there's no better, really, no better standard for us to strive to than to be like Jesus tonight. And if you want to make a difference in this world, I would submit to you that one of the ways you can do that is by showing compassion. Somebody has defined compassion as this, someone else's pain in my heart. Another has said it this way, compassion is love in action. See, compassion is not simply pity. Sometimes that's where we can stop short. We can stop short of compassion. We just get to pity. Oh, that's too bad. Oh, that's an unfortunate situation. But compassion takes us past pity. It takes us past saying, ah, and it puts us into action. And here in the book of Luke in chapter number 10, Jesus gives uh, really a parable that very beautifully illustrates what compassion looks like. And so tonight I'd like us to go ahead and read this parable in its, in its, in, in, in its entirety, and then we'll, we'll pause, we'll pray, ask the Lord to help us, and we'll dive into some of the details here of this passage. Luke chapter 10, and we'll begin reading in verse number 25 to get the full context here. And it says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? Again, Jesus loved to ask questions. He loved to take questions and turn them back on the one asking even to get them to think. What do you think? He asked this lawyer. And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and thy neighbor as thyself. And he, that is Jesus, said unto him, Thou hast answered right. This do and thou shalt live. But he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, who stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he had saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him, and went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence, and gave them to the host, and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among thieves? And he said, he that showed mercy on him, then said Jesus unto him, go and do thou likewise. Lord, we love you tonight and we thank you for your word. I pray that as it's open this evening, Lord, that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit. I pray that, Lord, you would speak to our hearts in a very real way. And I pray, as, as Pastor already said, that you would help us to respond to you, however you might put your finger on our hearts tonight. We'll give you the praise and the glory. We thank you again for the freedom that we have to meet tonight. We thank you for this beautiful building we have to meet in tonight, and we thank you for these thy people that have gathered. I pray you'd speak to us now. 
In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So as our story opens, we see here comes a lawyer. <laughs> a man who uh, perhaps had had a good education. One that, that was, you know, at least a thinker at, at some level. And he comes to Jesus, but he doesn't come wanting to learn. He doesn't come wanting to get information and to get help for his soul. No, this man's coming to Jesus, and he's trying to catch Jesus in his own words. He's trying to trap Jesus. But Jesus knows all things, and he's not going to be trapped by any mere lawyer. And he turns the question around on this lawyer and asks him, what do you think? What do you think is the greatest commandment? And the lawyer gives a good answer. He says, you need to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. And then there at the end, he says, and thy neighbor as thyself. In Jesus, we see he's pleased with his answer in verse number 28. He says, thou hast said, well, this do, and thou shalt live. But I find it interesting, the lawyer's response there in the next verse, but he willing to justify himself. <laughs> says, who is my neighbor? And unfortunately, I think we live in a, in a society today where there's a lot of people trying to justify themselves, trying to feel better about themselves, trying to, 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 to figure out a way to lower the standard, try to figure out a way to lower the bar in order so that they don't look so bad. I think this is what this lawyer is trying to do. He says, all right, I love the Lord your God with all your heart and your mind, your soul, your strength. Yeah, you know, I, think, I think I do pretty good at that, but... Love my neighbor. Who is my neighbor? Am I supposed to just love everybody? Or who, who exactly are we talking about here, Jesus? Who am I supposed to love? Who am I supposed to show compassion to? And then Jesus answers with this parable. And in this parable, Jesus introduces us to four men. And I want us to, as our main points tonight, look at these four men and look at some of the different characteristics that they exhibited. The first man I want you to notice is found right there in verse number 30, and that is what I call the broken man. The broken man. The Bible says that this man is making his journey from Jerusalem to Jericho. We don't know exactly why he was making this journey. Perhaps he was a merchant. Perhaps it was a business trip. But all we do know is he's making this journey, and something about him indicated to some thieves that were lurking behind the rocks there in the path that this was a good target. <laughs> Something about this man, perhaps it was the way that he was dressed, as the Bible tells us that they stripped his raiment off of him. Perhaps it was the, he had a big bag of money somewhere that was, that was seen. Perhaps he was just traveling without an escort, traveling without somebody to protect his caravan. But whatever it was, these thieves, they saw this man coming. They said, all right, boys, <laughs> this is the one. This is the one. Get ready. When, I, when we give the signal, we're all going to jump them. We're all going to get them. <laughs> and really here in, the, in verse number 30, I believe we see a very good picture of what the world does to its own. What the world does to an individual. What sin will do to a person who lives in it. Because the Bible tells us that these thieves were pretty brutal. These thieves were pretty merciless. They came and they stripped him of his raiment. And let me tell you something. Sin, it'll strip you of your dignity. It'll strip you of your reputation. And it'll leave you <laughs> disgraced and beaten up on, along the, path, the paths of life. We live in this digital age. And I think that in some 
is the digital age has been a great help and, 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 and time-saving devices, if you will, and, and the ability to capture memories. You know, you don't have to take a picture and go get the film developed anymore. No, you can see right there whether it was a good picture or not. And if not, you're going to take another one. At least that's what my wife says. <laughs> no, no, that, that one didn't pass inspection, okay? <laughs> my, my, my hair looking a little weird in that one, all right? My, my face was looking a little strange in that one. We, we're going to take that one again. <laughs> But with this, with this technology that we have today, it seems that this is, is easier than, than ever before for the world to strip a man of his reputation and of his dignity. <laughs> no longer can you get wrapped up in sin and get all drunk and make a fool of yourself in public no, uh, and nobody will remember it. No, no, now everybody's recording it. <laughs> now everybody's live streaming it and sending it to their friends. And if you didn't know this already, the world doesn't care a thing about you. The devil isn't looking out for your best interests. And yes, he may promise a whole lot, but this is, this is the end result right here. The Bible gives us, the, speeds up the story for us. It says this man, maybe he was doing well. Maybe he was making money. Maybe he was, he was living the good life as this world wants you, to, wants you to think about it. But this is the condition that the world will leave its own. Stripped. And the Bible says not only was he stripped, but he was wounded. They wounded him. Let me tell you something. Sin will leave wounds in your heart and in your mind and on your brain that will never truly heal completely. You know what I'm talking about. You know those things that you wish you could scrub out of your mind? You know those things you wish you could unremember? Those things you wish you could unsee? Those decisions you wish you could go back and, and, just, and just, oh man, if I could just go shake my younger self. <laughs> But it wounded him. And then the Bible says that it left him, they left him half dead. Without hope. Helpless. What his condition as he lay here on the side of the road. In the ditch. Everything of value stripped away from him. And let me tell you something, you don't have to look too far these days to see broken people. By the grace of God, we're all broken people. And anything good about us is the grace of God. But you don't have to look too far to see broken people. Maybe they're covered in tattoos. Maybe they got piercings in, in every orifice and in, in every part of their body that they can, they, they can shove a piece of metal. Perhaps you can look at them from a distance and be like, ooh, that looks like a broken man. But let me tell you something, they don't always look like that. Sometimes they look professional. Sometimes they got a coat and a tie on. Sometimes it looks like they got a good job. It looks like they got a lot of money. But let me tell you something. On the inside, they're broken. Because any life that does not have Jesus Christ at the center is a broken life. But we see here, number one, this broken man laying there by the side of the road. But aren't you glad tonight that there's no life that is so broken that the power of the cross cannot reach down and change it? Aren't you glad there's no such thing as too far gone? Jesus can reach even into the deepest, darkest gutter, and he can save, and he can rescue. I'm so thankful for the power of the cross. There's no sin that you've committed that's too great for the blood of Jesus to wash away. And I'm so thankful for that tonight. Now, that doesn't mean that that gives us license to sin. Paul said, what, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid! But when we do fall, the just man can stand up again because of the forgiveness and the grace of our God. 
But we see the broken man here in verse number 30, but he's not the only man traveling down the road on this particular day. No, in verse number 31, we see the next man, a one that I like to call the busy man. And by chance, the Bible says, there came down a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Now, really, in verse 31, this is the type of person that we seek to fill our churches with. I mean, he looks good on the outside. If you were building a church from scratch, you would want some, I mean, just from the, on the outward, okay? You would want some people like this priest here in verse number 31. Somebody that dresses right. Somebody that has good standards. So somebody that knows the hymns and sings out. Somebody that, that, that's there and, and, and that'll come. <laughs> Sometimes that's all we want. Nowadays, Pastor, it's just like, we'll just take anybody that'll come to church, praise the Lord. But, but this is the kind of person that we would be thinking, yeah, this is, I mean, we, we had a church full of these kind of people. This, this, this would be good. But while the outside looked good, while he was, <laughs> might I even say, serving the Lord, we see that there, that there was a problem with the heart. No doubt this, this priest was, was busy about the Lord's work. I'm sure perhaps he had a service that he had to get to. Perhaps a sacrifice that he had to make. He was a priest after all. He, I mean, he had a sermon he probably had to preach. Or at least prepare for. But in his busyness, he walked right past one that needed him perhaps more than any of those other things and any of those other <laughs> responsibilities that he had. Not that those are bad, but what I'm saying is he got so busy that he walked right past one that desperately needed him. And the Bible says he didn't just walk past. No, no, no. He passed by on the other side. That means he went out of his way as he's going down the road and he sees, ooh, there's a man laying in the ditch right there. I'm going to go over and get on this sidewalk over here. <laughs> I'm going to hop over on this side of the road. As I, I, I'm, I'm not sure I want to I bother with all that over there. He was busy. He was busy, perhaps about official priestly business, but he missed the one that needed his help the most because he was too busy. And I ask you tonight, have we gotten to the place in our Christian life where we're too busy for sinners? We're too busy to see the broken lives around us. We're too busy to see their need because we're so wrapped up with our own. Have we gotten to the place where we're looking for excuses why it's not our problem? Oh, I'm, hey, I got to get to church. Hey, hey, I got I to go over here. I, I got stuff to do. Looking for excuses why, well, somebody else will take care of it. Somebody else will come by this way, I'm sure. This is a busy road. Somebody else will show compassion. Or are we looking for excuses to say, you know, not excuses, but looking for opportunities to say, man, I could, I could meet a need. I, 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 could, I could show Jesus. I could provide hope to the hopeless. I could provide help to the helpless. Can I say it this way? God's work, <laughs> divine appointments, that's what we used to call them. Praying for divine appointments. Lord, give me a divine appointment. Let me tell you something. Divine appointments will very rarely fit into your schedule. <laughs> 
God's work will very rarely be on your timetable. And may he give us eyes to see. May he give us a heart to see the broken lives all around us. We see the busy man. But number three, we see down in verse number 32, and likewise a Levite, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, sorry, no, when he was at the place, sorry, likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. I call this man the brazen man. Because <laughs> the Bible tells us He's coming down the road, this Levite. He sees the man. And the Bible says that he came and he looked on him. Went right over to him. Looked at him. Saw the blood. Saw the beating. Saw this man in no condition to be able to get up and continue on his way. Saw this man in his helpless and hopeless situation and kept on walking and passed by on the other side, the Bible says. The brazen man, a man that had gotten to the point that he was so, can I say it this way, desensitized to the needs around him, that he could walk right up to a need, look right at this man, say, ah, you know, that looks like a bad situation, but I got stuff to do. I'm going to keep on going. And I think that perhaps, again, with, with this digital age we live in, we're so surrounded by bad news. If we're not careful, it can just, well, just another news story. Well, it, no, <laughs> there goes another family imploding. There goes another marriage. Well, there goes another young person getting off into drugs. Hey, hey, there goes another one. And we can get so nonchalant, so flippant about it. We're just... It doesn't even bother us anymore. It doesn't stop us in our tracks anymore. It just slides right off of us. This man was able to walk up to this guy, see how bad the situation was, and yet walk away and go about his day and not be bothered at all. How jaded we must be as Christians if we can get to that place where we, we can see a need and harden our hearts. We can see a need and it not move us. We can see a need and it won't <laughs> compel us to act. Sometimes we can even get to the point where we, we, we think and we say things like this. Well, they made their bed. They got a lie in it. <laughs> I tried to warn them. <laughs> I tried to warn them not to go down that path and then they didn't listen to me. <laughs> I tried to tell them. And they didn't listen. And that they brought this upon themselves. Listen to me, that might be true. <laughs> but if we ever get to the place where that doesn't bother us anymore, Lord help us. Where we, where, where we don't shed tears anymore for lost souls, God help us. Where we don't shed tears anymore for prodigal sons and daughters, God help us. Where we're no longer moved with compassion. I wonder maybe if these two men, as they're walking by the road, maybe, you know, maybe they, the, the, the priest, maybe he had his priestly garments on, you know? 
he had, he had, had, had the fringe, had the, had, the, had, the, had the priestly garb. I mean, he was, he, was, he, he was all, you know, he was all ready for the service. And man, I'm, I'm going to get down in that ditch. I'm going to get blood on my robe. I'm going to get dirt on my robe. I, I, I'm going over here. Listen, if we're going to make a difference, if we're going to have compassion, I think that means sometimes we're going to smell like cigarette smoke. Not because we're smoking them, but because we're visiting some people who are, who are, who are held in those chains. And I think you ought to come out on Saturday. I think you ought to knock on doors. Because first of all, I don't, I don't know if I've ever met anybody who says, oh, this just comes perfectly natural to me and I just love doing it every time. And, uh, and uh, you know, I have no fear and I have no anxiety about it whatsoever. And it's just, it's just the most natural thing in the world to me. It's a step of faith for everybody. <laughs> but it'll get you out of your comfort zone. It'll get you to see some sinners. It'll get you to see some knees. It'll get you to see just how much the devil can wreck a life. And I think your kids ought to see that. I think they ought to be out there. I think your grandkids ought to see that. <laughs> we'll go into Grandma's house, and we're going to stay the weekend, and we're going soul winning while we're with Grandma. <laughs> Glory to God. I mean, they're going to find out about sin one way or the other. It might as well be with us. Saying, look, this is, this is what sin does, sweetheart. This is what it looks like when sin takes a hold of life. That's why daddy tells you we're not doing certain things. That's why I keep you away from certain things. That's why I, there's certain things that we, that we just don't get involved in. Because they're going to find out one way or another. And I, I think it's a lot better that they find out by being in the ditch helping sinners than by being on, on, on a device looking up sin. This brazen man. Do we only help those that we feel deserve our compassion? <laughs> Nobody deserves compassion. I know I sure didn't, but Jesus loved me anyway. While we were yet sinners, while we wanted nothing to do with him, <laughs> as unlovely as I am, he loved me. And I like, I like how the songwriter put it, after all he's done for me, how can I do less then give him my best and live for him completely after all that he's done for me. But finally, I want you to see number four, the benevolent man. The benevolent man down, starting in verse number 33, the Bible says, but a certain Samaritan. And I think Jesus chose the Samaritan on purpose because the Jews looked down at the Samaritans. The Jews said, oh, they're, they're a bunch of half-breeds. They're, they're impure. They, they, they don't rush, worship God the right way. They, they're, they're Samaritans. <laughs> you ever want an interesting study? Study Samaritans in the Bible. I'm telling you, they, they put the Jews to shame in many, many situations. Jesus said a certain Samaritan as he journeyed came where he was. And when, the, when he saw him, we see a different response than that of the Levite. When he saw him, he had compassion on him. I want you to notice that all three of these men we just looked at, the busy man, the brazen man, the benevolent man, all three of these were busy. They all had somewhere to be. They were all on that road, not just for a leisurely stroll, okay? They had somewhere to go. They had somewhere to be. They were all busy. I want you to see that not only were they all busy, they all saw the man. They all saw the need. 
but only one stopped. Only one allowed what he saw to affect his heart and stopped and had compassion on this man. We can say, oh man, what a terrible situation. Oh, I feel so bad for you, but it's not compassion until we're willing to again get our hands dirty. <laughs> it's not compassion until we're willing to get our wallets out. Uh-oh. Oh, you're talking about money, Brother Drew. Listen, compassion's going to cost you something. It's not free. And we see here the Samaritan, the Bible says he had compassion on him. He went to him. And he bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. It took time for this, this Samaritan to show compassion. This wasn't just something he could <laughs> throw a gift card at him and say, good luck, buddy. No, no, this took time. He had to bind up these wounds. He had to put him on the beast. He had to take him to the inn. I mean, this, this took time out of his schedule. This, this interrupted all the things that he had planned for the day. <laughs> And may God help us. May God help us to be willing to interrupt our plans. When the Holy Spirit comes trying to interrupt us, may we, may we yield to him. I'm all for having a schedule. My wife likes to make lists. She's like, all right, here's what we're going to get done today. We're gonna... <laughs> and if you've ever made a list before, you know, it's, it's sometimes it's an exercise in futility. You know, we're going to make a list and, uh, and, you know, you get one thing done and, and it's like, where did the whole day go? <laughs> we still have all the rest of this list. But if we get to the point where our schedules are so rigid and our lists are so fixed that the Holy Spirit can erase a few things and pencil a few things in, that we need help. <laughs> we need to get on our knees and say, God, would you break my heart? Would you give me your compassion? Would you give me eyes to see the needs that are around me? He went to him. He binds up his wounds. He brings him to the inn. And on the morrow he departed, verse 35, he took out two pence and gave them to the host. Said unto, them, said unto him, take care of him. And whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Let me tell you something. Compassion is one of the best investments that you can make. Now, there's a lot of investment opportunities out there. Real estate, invest in real estate, and you know, this, is, this is the way to go. Invest in the stock market. And uh, you can give that a whirl, but uh, you might be disappointed. <laughs> it might not work out for you. But can I tell you an investment that'll pay eternal dividends? It's called compassion. Compassion allows us to take our earthly resources that are going to perish and pass away, and we get to exchange those for treasure in heaven. That's a good deal right there. Treasure in heaven, moth or rust can't corrupt that. Thieves can't break in and steal that. <laughs> That's eternal. And why? Why do we hold on so tight to our stuff anyway? Why do we hold on so tight to our money anyway? <laughs> Give and it shall be given unto you, the Bible says. Pressed down, shaken together, running over shall men give into your bosom. I'm telling you, <laughs> if we just trust God and be known as generous people, God will take care of us. I mean, I, 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 I haven't missed a meal yet, praise Jesus. <laughs> We're out here living by faith. Haven't missed a meal yet. God's people have taken care of us, and I'm thankful for it. That's, that, that's the way our God is. Try me, he said. Prove me. See if I won't pour you out a blessing. 
One of my favorite verses when I used to, when I signed some Bibles yesterday is Psalm 34, verse 8. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Don't take my word for it. Don't take pastor's word for it. Try them out yourself. Show some compassion. Hey, give. Be generous. Show God's love to somebody and see if, see if it doesn't bless you even more than it blesses them. I give this illustration all the time. It's like going to the buffet and just smelling the food. Mm, that smells real good. I bet that food is just real delicious. <laughs> we went to the Chinese buffet the other day. Let me tell you something. I didn't just smell the food. I went and got me a plate. <laughs> and then another plate. <laughs> and then a plate after that. Amen. <laughs> Listen, don't take my word for it. God is good. Get you a plate. Try them out for yourself. But if we're going to make a difference, if we're going to show compassion, it's going to, it's going to cost something. It's going, to, it's going to take some sacrifice. And are we willing to pay the price? Like I said, the return is far better <laughs> than we could ever imagine. But are we willing to take that step? Are we willing to, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm busy, I'm busy, but uh, there's a need. Say, all right, you know what? If I'm too busy for God's work, then I'm too busy. And I've got to be about the main thing. And that's showing compassion for the lost, showing compassion even for a Christian brother who's struggling. Yeah, the church ought to be a hospital. It ought not be a place where we're all coming in, oh, I have no problems at all and everything is great. We ought to be able to come into church grieving. We ought to be able to come into church broken. We ought to be able to come into church with a need and rally around one another. The reason the Bible calls it the body of Christ because when the, when the toe gets stubbed, you know, you know what happens. <laughs> at least for me, the whole body cares about just the little toe. And, and listen, if, you, if, you, if you're struggling today, man, get, get in the house of God more. Let, let, the, let the family of God love on you. Let the body of Christ rally around you. Be willing to be used of God in that way. Listen, we get it, we get it all twisted. We get it all wrong when we come into church. Like, like, like we're coming to a ball game. Entertain me, pastor. Uh, feed me, pastor. Listen, we ought to come to church to be fed. I believe in that. But I believe we ought to come to church looking to serve. Come to church. God, show me somebody that I can bless today. And give me an opportunity to be you, to, to, to show your love to somebody today, Lord. Listen, if, if everybody comes to church with that attitude, whew, revival would break out. I just, I, I believe it. <laughs> I mean, it. It would be amazing. Everybody would be meeting everybody, everybody else's physical needs and spiritual needs. And, and, and the, 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 the body of Christ would be doing its job and, and working functioning correctly and it's a beautiful thing when we just obey the Bible it's a beautiful thing I think sometimes and I kind of mentioned this already but sometimes one of the excuses that at least I can use is oh there's so many needs out there <laughs> I mean you just walking down the road and bam here comes another need smacking your face you open up your phone oh it's another need I mean needs are everywhere I mean, how can I even make a dent? How do I even make a difference in such a needy world? Well, in closing, I want to share with you this illustration, one that's it's, uh, pretty well known, so you may have heard it before, but one day there was a man walking along the beach. And as he was walking, he noticed out ahead of him a little bit, there was a little boy. 
And the little boy was, was walking along the beach as well, and he was bending down and, and picking up starfish and throwing them out into the water. And so the man watched the boy do this for a little while and, uh, and kind of got curious and walked over to where the boy was and said, Hey, uh, what are you doing there, buddy? He said, I'm, I'm throwing these starfish. I'm throwing them out in the ocean. And the man looked at him and, and kind of laughed to himself a little bit and said, don't, don't you realize that there's miles and miles of beach out here? I mean, there are more starfish out here than you could possibly save even if you work all day long. They're, they're everywhere. The tide's gone back in and, and they're stranded and there's no way you can save them all. You're not even barely making a difference. And the little boy just smiled and bent down to pick up another starfish and threw it out into the waves. He said, maybe not, mister, but I made a difference to that one. May God help us. Maybe we're not going to be able to, to meet everybody's need, but maybe one person. We might not be able to reach the whole world, but we can reach one person, and it'll mean the whole world to them. Would you let God use you? And let God work through you the power of compassion. Lord, we love you tonight. We love you because you first loved us. Lord, the only way that we can show compassion is if we're full